you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org. And now, a message from The Rock of Gainesville. I want to say, uh, first of all, before I get into this this morning, I want to say a big thank you um, as your pastors that uh, you did not let Florida, no, no, Michigan winter that came to Florida <laughs> or the rain keep you out of the house of God. I, we, had a, we, had a, we had a great first service and it was actually quite full and I was, I was overwhelmed with gratitude because the fear of every pastor in the state of Florida is a cold, wet day because some folks, well, for some folks, Christianity is not for the faint of heart. Yes, we're hot for God. And the reality is, is that, uh, is that I'm not going to let some gator fan that'll stand out in, in the rain and the cold for four hours. That's before the game starts. To get into the stadium to watch the game for three hours. So they, they can go back out in the parking lot wet after the game and finish celebrating. I'm not going to let them out-celebrate me. I mean, you think about it. They did all of that to cheer a leather ball that runs up and down the end of the field. We serve the God who loves us, who created us for such a time as this. This is our day. And I'm not going to let them or the rocks or the trees outpraise me. Amen. And, and I'm thanking you this morning for being of like spirit. And uh, there are some folks that are home today and uh, they might be watching online. I love you. Please know I love you. But I want to tell you something. Sometimes in the body of Christ, it's not just cold and rain that keep people home. In Florida, it's sunshine. I mean, sunshine just like, it, it just like they wake up and it's warm and sunny and Disney World's calling. Well, let Disney call Monday through Saturday. But I want to tell you something. We need to be serious about the kingdom. Because Disney can't save you. And, and, and the body of Christ, I'm just doing a little daddy talk here. All of you that are visiting this morning, it's great to have you, man. We're thrilled that you're here. You don't even have to listen to me for about 30 seconds. Okay, I'm just, I got to just daddy my folks. The problem is everybody needs to be daddy's not here today. Okay, so y'all say amen as a prophetic word for them. But, but, but hear me, the, the reality is we don't come to church just to get. Now, if you're sick, this is a place of healing and we want you to come. We want you to get healed. But, but, but when you're already healed and you're already holding, you're walking with God, coming to the house of God is not just about coming to give, man. Well, I hope pastor brings it today. I hope he actually studied and prepared his heart, you know, instead of play golf all week, you know, preachers, that's all they do. They just, they work one hour a week when they preach and then the rest of the time. Well, that's, all, that's what my father-in-law thought. But the reality of it is we come not just to get, we come to give see we could touch someone's life that pastor might not ever be able to touch somebody walks through those doors man they need a friend just sit down and be be friendly they they they're hurting the man all hell's been beating the hell out of them and they just kind of staggered in here and they they just need somebody that recognizes that and just touch them with the love of god because god's love has already touched us i'm preaching to i'm preaching now 
Y'all say amen or just sit there like you're convicted that I'm talking to you. You, you ought to say amen. That way everybody will think that you're talking amen and for somebody else because you already got it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, have you ever visited another church? you ever gone somewhere when you're brand new and, and man, you look like a deer in headlights? Because you don't know what's going on. Well, people come in here all the time like that. Man, we ought to love them right into being comfortable that they're here. Because the presence of God's here to touch them. And, and pastor can't do all of that. I can't hire enough pastors. So every one of us come. We come to receive. Then we come to give out. Just touch and love and minister encouragement and help somebody. And uh, when you do, guess what? We, 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 when we say man walk out of these doors, every person that's been in the house of God has been touched by God. He said, hold it. I thought I touched them. When you touch them, God touches them. Oh, that'll preach. That's a message for another day. That might be a series right there, Pastor Ron. When you touch them, God touches them. The rest of y'all awake in here this morning? Come on, somebody. Act like you're awake and you hear what I'm saying because Pastor loves you and I'm telling you, God's got a job for us to do and it takes all of us getting up and saying, yeah, yeah, it's right. I'm going to church and I'm going to receive from whoever's preaching, but I'm, I'm going to give today. You come expecting to give to somebody, somebody will sit down beside you and you just love on them and you did it. Somebody's thirsty, give them a bottle of water. Guess what you did? Jesus said, when you do it to the least of these, you just gave Jesus a bottle of water. You feed somebody that's hungry, you just fed Jesus. Because Jesus takes serious his children. Amen. All right, two things real quick. Next Sunday, man, oh, man, we are excited. We got my buddy. He's a preaching maniac machine. You do not want to miss next Sunday. I've heard all kind of people going on all kind of trips next weekend. I'm telling you, you want to cancel your trips and stay home because Jedediah Thurner is going to be in the house from Colorado. Listen, he's flying all the way from Peru to L.A. on Friday and L.A. to Gainesville on Saturday, getting here Saturday night. I'm preaching him to death. He's preaching twice Sunday morning. We're having lunch. And then our team that's going to Peru is going to get a message by Jedediah directly to them. We have 71 people signed up to go to Peru this summer for our outreach. But hear me, if 71 are going, that means about 800 of you are going to be staying home. And guess what? We have a job for you to do too. The week we're going to be in Peru, we're going to be doing Reach Week again. Pastor Jamie and all the pastors, in the next few weeks, you're going to see another banner go up on the wall about Reach Week. We're going to spend the whole week that the team's in Peru, Everybody that's left at home is going to be here. We're going to serve the heaven to Gainesville. We're going to serve Jesus to the city of Gainesville. We're looking for all kinds of ways to go into our community for one week and touch them. And then on Saturday... It's going to be a great celebration, and we're, we're thinking about, you know, that in Peru, we're going to be at a stadium, uh, our whole team with a bunch of other teams, and uh, the stadium we, we're going to be at is a huge stadium, and uh, but they're going to be uh, videoing that, streaming that live, so we're thinking about opening it up, putting it on the big screen here, so after y'all serve all day, those that want to can come here and celebrate as we believe that we're going to see thousands of people come to Christ in just that one stadium. At the same hour, 4 p.m. on that Saturday afternoon, 12 of the largest soccer stadiums in the nation of Peru, the gospel of Jesus Christ will be, be being preached at the same time. That's amazing. That's going to be overwhelming. We're excited to be a part of it. So whichever way you are, whether you're going or staying, you're going. And uh, God's got something for all of us to do. And everybody say amen. All right, that's sermon number one. Now the message I prepared is coming. So open up your hearts. Get your 
smart pads out and uh, or your legal pads, whatever you have. And we're going to wrap up this series of messages. This is part five of a message we obviously started five weeks ago. Today is day number 21 of a 21-day season of prayer and fasting that we have been walking through in our house. And I want to tell you something on behalf of Suzanne and I, we're overwhelmed with gratitude and appreciation for what God has done every single day for 21 days in this house. At some time during the day, uh, we have had anywhere from 50 to 75, 80 people every uh, Monday through Friday, every single morning at 6 15 this morning had over 50 here at 8 45 before we had our first service walking through this auditorium just praying why because we are learning as a people we're going to pray first we're going to pray first about everything it's a and it is a discipline it is a learned process we're going you know what i can try to figure out this on my own but my own's not very good and I need God, so I am learning to stop. And back up, matter of fact, I ask everybody in the first service, how many of you like me at least one time over these 21 days? You headed into something, and all of a sudden you realized you were in deep water, and you hadn't prayed. And almost every hand went up. And we have to back up and go, oh, yeah, I said I was going to pray first. And then all of a sudden you pray, and, man, God begins to give answers. He begins to speak. He begins to reveal things. He tells you to back up, turn right, turn left. You say, come on, seriously, God talks like that? He does to me. And he does to you through his word. And so as we're learning to pray first, every time the enemy, and can I just tell you, when we started this 21 days ago, I'm telling you, I believe we stirred up every devil in hell. Because we've had people attacked, all kinds of sicknesses. One day in our school, we had 17 children out and seven teachers out in one day, just attacked with nasty bug. And, and, and my staff, it went through my side. I had, I had my staff in my office. In one minute, they're feeling good. The next minute, I got two pastors and my assistant all throwing up in there. They couldn't even get to the bathrooms. Just all of a sudden, man, fever came on them, and the enemy, man, we've had people in the hospital just been attacked with all kinds of stuff. We've had finances attacked. We've had marriages. Come on, somebody, don't raise your hand, you married couples. But, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Man, you went home from church, and all of a sudden, I had somebody call me yesterday, and he said, Pastor, I'm calling you because I need you to talk me off the ledge. I said, I just saw your prayer two hours ago. He said, I know, and I'm telling you, I'm having to drive around in my truck right now because I'm so ticked off and mad at my, at my bride, and, and I started laughing. He said, why are you laughing? And I said, because it's funny. I said, go ahead and finish the story. He kept on talking. I laughed harder and harder. He, and by the time I got through laughing, he started laughing. I said, now, come on, seriously, is it that big of a deal? And, and I said, you think this is not a, an attack of the enemy? Of course it's an attack. We have to know that. Man, you walk out of prayer, man, the devil is going to bring it. You know why? Because he's going to find out if you're really serious about what you're saying. Come on, that you're serious about He's going to find out if you're serious about what you said you were serious about. So we're wrapping up today. Five weekends we preach this message, pray first. And, and if I have any desire in my heart, it's that every single one of us in this place, and, and again, for those of you that are visiting, maybe this is your first time, we're honored to have you here. Uh, we're blessed by you being here. Pray that today the Lord will touch you and encourage you. And You look around this congregation, and we're a people of all different colors and nations. We have over 40 nations of people represented at the Rock of Gainesville. And that's not enough for me. I told the intercessor yesterday morning, I want at least 80 nations. You know why? Because University of Florida has got 115 nations out there from all over the place coming to school here. I think God, you know what? He might even want me to up it a little bit all the way up to 115. What do you think? Why? Because God loves them all. 
He loves all people, red, yellow, black, and white. We are precious in his sight. And he loves us. One thing Holy Spirit showed me years ago, that this thing that we deal with in our nation still, this racist thing, that this is not a color thing. It's a spirit thing. Spirit thing. The enemy's the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy and try to keep us divided. He'll use anything. He'll use it in your marriage. He'll use it in your skin color. He'll use it in your lack of money or abundance of money. He'll, do, he'll use your education or lack of education. He doesn't care what. Anything he can use to get you to take offense against someone else, he will sell it to you if you're in the market to buy. Ouch. That's true, isn't it? I mean, I myself have bought something before from the enemy that I did not want until Holy Spirit revealed it. And then he said, now, check your heart. Deal with this. So, man, we're praying, and as we pray, these are things Holy Spirit's bringing about. So 21 days of fasting and prayer. In 21 days, we've been doing this. God, I desperately want to hear you. And guess what? If you'll pray, God's listening. And if you'll listen, God's talking. He's not talking like, it's not weird, it's not mystical. It doesn't have to come with a change of voice. Thus saith the Lord thy God, thy God, I love thee. He doesn't have to sing it to you unless you like being sung to. But man, you just open up the word of God and God's speaking. You go out and look in the heavenlies, man. Did y'all see that moon this week? Come on, somebody. That thing was massive. It was screaming out the glory of the Lord. Closest it's going to be to the earth all this year in 13 months. And I got to stand on my front porch and just go, wow. I, I don't even know that I can outpraise that right there. That, that's some serious beauty. And you know what? According to the word, according to the psalmist, man, the trees are praising him. You ever stood out there and just watched those trees? Man, they just, they just, they're, what are they doing? They're waving to Jesus. <laughs> Some of y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> As you spend, what was it I heard? $7,500 to buy a ticket to the Super Bowl. And you're telling me I'm crazy. <laughs> you're telling me that I'm crazy because I'm worshiping the one true living God. $7,500 to get a ticket. $3,800 will get you a nosebleed with oxygen. They actually supply oxygen up there at the top. Come on, man. The earth is crying out the glory of the Lord. It's crying out the glory of the Lord. Tonight, 6 p.m., we're wrapping up. Uh, uh, an awesome night, man. You don't want to miss it. Bring all your children. We're going to have, uh, we're going to call our fast to completion, man. The fast that the Lord has called us, we're declaring it done. And then we're going to have about 30 minutes of just, we're going to rock and roll. We're going to praise Jesus to the top of our lungs. We're going to worship God. And then we're going to share, the pastors will be um, sharing the, uh, the communion table of the Lord. We're going to give you bread and a cup. And we're going to eat and drink. Uh, unto the Lord, remembering everything that God has done for us. And we will be done promptly at 7 o'clock. So you come. It's going to be raining. It's going to be cold. So put on a jacket. Take an umbrella. Man up. Come on, somebody. I'm talking to you. Woman up. And don't let it keep you from tonight. One hour. 
And it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be powerful. So I hope you can come. All right, getting into the word. Father, bless now your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want to share a couple things. These are not on the notes and top unless they grabbed them in the first service. But before I get into the meat of what I want to say, I want you to hear these few scriptures. Mark chapter 6, verse 46, it says, And after Jesus had taken leave of his disciples, he went up on the mountain to... He went up on the mountain to to pray. He went up on the mountain to pray. Luke chapter 5 verse 16, but he being Jesus would withdraw to desolate places and he would he would pray. Mark chapter 14 verse 32 and they went to a place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, "Sit here while I pray." Come on, don't lose on me here. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Luke chapter 22, verse 46. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Temptation comes to tempt you in the things that you can be tempted by and temptation is never of God James said it this way when temptation comes he says rejoice and that's what it literally means in the Hebrew jump up spin around and shout I never feel that way when temptation hits me. I mean, I just never, absolutely never just feel like doing the hallelujah two-step and going, whoo, I feel better now that I'm all tempted up in my mind. <laughs> and I feel yucky like I've already committed the sin. And I, I hadn't even committed it. I just thought about committing it. Y'all are looking at me like deer in headlights, like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. That's a lie. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know how bad temptation makes you feel. And you hadn't even committed a sin. That's why James says, go ahead and just jump on up and start shouting and rejoicing and declare greater is he that is in me. Because temptation is never of God. And when temptation comes, you know why he says jump up, rejoice, and shout? Because it will break off of you and run. Like the devil when he saw Jesus. You'll be gone. They'll be gone. They'll flee from you. They'll flee from you. You lift up the name of Jesus and demons flee. That's why the house of God is such an amazing place. Every time the saints of God worldwide gather, true saints of God, love God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and body, not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, preach the gospel from Genesis to Revelation, add the index and the maps in the back. I mean, we believe it all. Devils flee when we worship God. So let me ask you a question. Is it any wonder why the enemy of your soul tries to get you too busy to worship God? Is it any wonder why he gives you so many distractions to keep you out of the word of God? And sometimes in our flesh, we buy into that. And we start thinking, I can do this on my own. Doing this on my own will get you messed up. Every time, every time. 
But boy, when all of a sudden you just begin to say, this is how I fight my battles. I'm going to worship God. This is how I fight my battles, man. I'm going to declare who God is in my life. This is how I fight my battles. I sing, I dance, I worship, I shout to the one who's worthy to receive it all because he is awesome. So like Jesus, if he needed the Son of God and the Son of Man, needed to pray. Okay, this is not a rocket science question right here. How many of you think we need to pray? Amen. If Jesus, the Son of God, needed to pray to where he would toil sometimes all night after doing miracles all day, he would get back and just have to remind himself that he was not only Christ, the Son of God, he was Christ, the Son of Man. And Christ, the Son of Man, was on his path to a journey that would end him up on a cross, dying a horrible death so you and I could be sons and daughters. Wow. Wow. I don't know about you, but that, that, just, that just brings a wow out in me. Every time I think about Jesus, the Son of Man, is the one who died on that cross, which is why he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You realize that all throughout Scripture, I'm chasing a bunny right here right now, but you realize that all throughout Scripture, Jesus called Yahweh God, he called him Father. Father. You reference Jesus anywhere in the Gospels, and he talked to him as Father, except when he hung on the cross. And he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All of humankind was on his shoulders. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, if there's no other way you can accomplish your will but this, your will be done. And he hung on that cross. Could have called 10,000 angels and said, God, you got you to do something different. I'm done with this. But he obeyed even to death. Come on, church, so that you and I could be sons and daughters, not religious churchgoers. Amen? He didn't save us so that we could be religious churchgoers. He saved us so that we could be in relationship with him as Father Daddy. All right, I want to share this message with you for just a few minutes. And I want to start out, I'm going to share a couple of scriptures at the end. But I want to tell you a story today. And my whole message is kind of wrapped around this prayer. Uh, I, I, I so elegantly thought I pronounced the Chinese name right in the first service till I asked my precious Chinese sister sitting here on the second row, how do you pronounce this? And when she said it, I can go, I'm not even going to try again because I was so far off. I, I mean, I just like, it, it says, need to shing. It didn't sound anything like that when she said it. So anyhow, how many of you have ever heard of this person I'm talking about? He was born in 1903 and died in 1972. Uh, and and you, we Americans would announce it the way we see it, knee to shing. How many, how many of you have ever know who he is? How many of you ever heard of Watchman Knee? Okay, now let me see your hands. Same person. Okay, so he was named that at birth. And later on, after salvation experience, he changed his name to Watchman Nee to represent the watchman on the wall who was standing in the gap for his people. Powerful. And so the story of Watchman Nee, and I need to tell you this because I want to share with you just briefly a message that he preached uh, before he went to prison in 1950. He went to prison in 1952, but 
Watchman Nee was, was born in 1903. He was, uh, by everything I've read, he was an incredibly intelligent young man who was always the top in all of his classes through school. <coughs> Excuse me. He was so smart, so intelligent, uh, that literally he, he was the number one in his class in all of southern China um, just every single year to the point where when he would write essays, they would take his essays and they would spread them all throughout the country as a representation of how you write an essay properly and the content. He was a brilliant young man. He had many dreams and plans for his life, but nevertheless, in 1920, at 17 years of age, he came under the hearing of the gospel. And this is what it says. After much struggle, he considered the gospel and decided that the price that would have to be paid to walk with God was of such a degree that he could not make an easy decision that he struggled for days. And in his bedroom, one night, when he came to the fullness of the reality of his sin and the promise of the Savior's salvation that was freely given, he surrendered to his struggle and invited Jesus Christ to become Lord and Savior of his life. And at that point, he never looked back in his life. He was 17 years old, and he began to walk out later. It was said about Watchman Nee that he was one of the most powerful and significant voices in the 20th century in China. He was both a preacher, a pastor, and a teacher. And his labors had such a profound effect upon the spreading of the gospel throughout Asia that even today in China, in-house churches all over that nation, the messages of Watchman Nee are still being preached and re-preached. Wow. 50 years after I am in the presence of Jesus, I wonder if anybody would want to re-preach a message I preached. And yet, all over the nation of China, literally all over Asia, this man's testimony has been profound. He, he so surrendered his heart to God, and he loved God. With all of his heart, he loved the word of God. He loved the preaching of the gospel. He loved the church in China to such a degree that he never, once he was uh, called to the ministry and began to walk out, he, even though uh, there was great persecution coming in his nation during that time, he preached the word of God without compromise, and he sang the praises of God all over, everywhere he went, to the point where in 1952, he was arrested and charged with with literally with horrible crimes against the country because he would not stop preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he would not stop his voice from singing the praises of Almighty God. But before he was imprisoned in 1950, he was invited to speak at a gathering where not only were there going to be many, many, many believers... But he also knew that in the audience were infiltrators who had come and the authority, which were sitting spread throughout the congregation. And he had already been forewarned that the next time he preached the gospel or talked about the church of Jesus Christ, he would be arrested. And so on this day in 1950, he stood before this congregation and he bowed his head and he prayed first. And his prayer was this simple. 
Father, is today the day that I will be arrested? If so, your will be done. He opened his eyes. And as he was preparing to open his mouth to speak, he looked down and he saw his glass of water. And so he paused and he backed up and he drank his water. And then he looked at the glass and he began to grip the glass. And all of a sudden, his face and his facial expression began to change. And it went from joy and peace and excitement to anger. And he began to squeeze the glass. And he looked throughout the congregation. And all of a sudden, before anyone could have an inkling of a thought what was about to happen, he slams the glass on the ground and shatters it. And he begins to stomp on the glass. And he's making noises and, and, and he's grumbling and he's just, he's so angry and he's pressing in the glass and he's walking across the floor and everywhere he's walking, shattered glass is just following him and, and he goes back and he picks up a piece that had, had survived somehow and it was a, a rather large piece and so he looked at it and he throws it back down and he jumps on it and he twists and he just, he's gritting with his teeth and, and he walks and, and as he's spreading, he stops and he looks on the bottom of his shoe, there are shards of glass all in his shoe and he starts picking them out and then he starts trying to gather the glass up and, and, and trying to put the glass back together again and when he realizes he can, he throws the pieces on the ground and, and he stomps on them again. And then he just, he's sliding his feet and everywhere he goes, the glass is being spread. And he turns and he goes and he sits back down on the front row. And every authority and every infiltrator, they're looking at him like the man has gone mad. He's crazy. He's lost his mind. But all through the building, believers started to smile because they recognized the message that Watchman Nee had just preached. And so on that day, it was not the day that Watchman Nee would be arrested because how do you arrest a man for preaching who has not spoken a word? And they closed the service and everybody left. And that message over the last almost 70 years is still being illustrated and preached throughout Asia. You say, well, pastor, what does it mean? I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand it. The man loses his mind. What happened? But see, when he stood there with that glass of water by him, Holy Spirit gave him revelation as he held that glass, it was that nation and that government that was trying to hold the church where they wanted it. And when he began to squeeze with anger, it was because his nation had outlawed the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they were arresting pastors and they were burning churches and they were destroying Bibles and they were burning crosses. And so... As he held that glass, all of a sudden the realization, and he slung it to the ground and it broke. 
And he began to stomp on that glass. Every Christian in that church knew that what he was saying was, this is the government that hates us. And this is what they did. They couldn't, they couldn't hold us back. They couldn't restrict us by holding. So they slammed to the ground. And, they, and they're angry. And they're mad. And they're stomping. And they're twisting. And they're turning. And everywhere they go, they, what they're doing is they're spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And those in that church that morning realized that, that, that when their men were being imprisoned because they would not stop preaching the gospel, every prison they would put on men, man, the, the inmates would begin to get saved because they'd hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached. Guards would begin to turn their hearts over to God because they heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They would arrest women and send them out into the country, into prison farms where they could try to retrain them. And everywhere those women went, the gospel of Jesus Christ went and. The church grew radically. Two years later, Watchman Nee went to prison. He had a wife that he loved, but he loved God more. He had a church that he loved, but he, he loved God more. And he went to prison. And before they locked him up, they said, if you will just stop preaching this gospel, you can be free. And he walked himself into the prison because he said, I can't stop preaching the gospel. 20 years later, three times being offered the opportunity to leave jail if he would leave his country. And he said, I can never leave or forsake whom God has not left or forsaken. Hear me. When Watchman Nee went into prison in 1952, his church was 7,000 strong. House churches, 20, 30, 40, 50 people in a house. 20 years in prison. He wrote books, preached messages that were recorded by other inmates, which those messages were preached and many inmates would get out and they would take those preached messages. 20 years, he never saw his wife again. And six months before he died in prison in 1972, his wife went to be with Jesus. And six months later, when they could not get this man to stop praying first, and because of his prayers, preaching the gospel and worshiping God, they cut his tongue out. And he died in 1972. And when he died, his church was no longer 7,000 strong. His church across that great nation counted more than 70,000 disciples of the disciples because he was God first in his life. In college in 19, whenever it was, a long time ago, in Bible college, I studied the life of Watchman Nee. I read his stories. I read some of his books. Conviction. Couldn't open the first page of a Watchman Nee book. I don't care how much you love God. Came straight from the altar. You're already getting convicted. Because, man, he had such an unwavering commitment one person wrote about his life that at 17 years of age, when he contemplated, would he be willing 
to serve the one true God? Or would he reject him? That before he could make that decision, he first had to count the cost. And the reason that he was afraid to count the cost was he knew that if he counted the cost to be saved, he also knew in his inner being that God, before salvation, had already called him to preach his gospel. And he knew the price that he would have to pay. And so he didn't come into salvation with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around and let's make it as easy as possible. He heard, he weighed, he considered, he counted the cost. And he said, I'm not signing up for religious church. I'm signing up to die. I'm signing up to receive the gift of salvation that will change my life. But it also costs me everything church Jesus is coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle Jesus is coming back for a church that has learned how to pray first and die first and walk out fully in 2019 that the gospel is still the straight and narrow and the broad path Jesus said it'll always be full of all your friends and they'll be jacking and laughing and cutting and thinking, hey, I want to go to hell because all my friends are going to be there. They just have never read what hell's going to be like. And the path, he said, will always be wide, broad, and it'll be flowing with folks. But he said, my path to, to the Father, even though the gift is free, the price is narrow and it's difficult. My prayer for us in America today is God have mercy on our nation because our nation is bringing itself under the judgment of God. Can't kill babies without touching the heart of God. And our nation outside of God is in deep trouble. And I'm saying, God, raise up the church. Raise up the church and let us be people that know and, and have counted the cost. And we're not just here to play games on Sunday. But we're here to be refed, encouraged, challenged, sharpen our swords, get the word of God in us so it'll be a shield of faith around us so that when we go into battle, we're ready for the price that's being paid. Watchman Nee paid a price. The gift of salvation was free. Today, in this place, there are some of you today because we have prayed you in here. You are on a road, and you're at a Y. And one path off of that Y is the broad path that leads to you doing life your way. And God will never force you to choose the other path. The other path, God's done all he can do. His son died a horrible death. Because he loved you. But he cannot force you to love him back. But he simply says, I stand here knocking at your heart's door. And Father's saying, I've done everything I can do. Now it's up to you. And like Watchman Nee, I would say to you, consider what it means 
to receive Jesus. There's some in here, some of you have been in this house a long time. And your comfort level is, well, you're part of the family of the rock. But in all reality, hardness of heart, coldness of heart, God not first in your life. See, coming to this house on Sunday morning will not open a door of heaven for you. The gift of God is free. You can't earn it, can't buy it, can't go to church enough to get it. It's a decision. Today, I want to get off of that path. And I want God in my life. I want Jesus to become Lord of my life. And when you make that decision, like Watchman Nee, you'll be able to say, God, I'm giving you everything. Today is the beginning. But it's not the end. God loves you so much. And this morning in this place, there are some. There are some women, but there are men that the Lord has brought here today to lead your families. And you're not leading righteously. Pastor Suzanne said yesterday morning to our prayer team as we were leaving, she thanked them for coming. And then when we got home, she said, honey, she said, I'm so amazed at, the, at our house and the people God's given. They are running so hard after God. You and I got to run fast to get out in front of them because if we're supposed to lead, we can't be leading from the back. And, and that's how I see this house. So many just desperate, hungry for God. I got I to run hard to stay in front of you. And I'm telling you, there are some of you that want to run to God. But the enemy has just beat you up. He's made you hate religion. And can I tell you something? I hate religion. I tried the religion. It don't work. God is about a relationship. And it works because it's real. It's powerful. It's mighty. Would you bow your heads? And I don't say this lightly. I know I just spoke this as an illustration, but I'm, I want to tell you something. It's a significant thing for you to bow your head, close your eyes, forget everybody else is around, and just think for a moment, one day you alone are going to stand before Almighty God. You say, well, preacher, I'm not even really certain I believe that he exists. It's okay. God's not offended by that. But one day you will. And when you do, will you be a surrendered soul that will not be judged for salvation's sake because you already surrendered? Or, or will you be standing there with all of your reasons that you bought into that the enemy sold you? Man, God loves you so much. And the enemy wants to rob you of the sweetness of repentance, the sweetness of salvation, and the sweetness of forgiveness. Because no matter what you've done in your life, God loves you. And he is forgiven. And he's just waiting for you to say, God, don't understand it all. This I know, this big empty void in me needs you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed and believers are praying right now, I am here to lead you in a simple prayer that will change your life forever. And if this morning you're ready to make that decision across this congregation, 
You don't even have to look up. Just lift up your hand right now if you want me today to lead you in this prayer because God is here to save you today, to touch you today, to heal you today. Yes, God bless you. Who else? I mean, God brought you here. Yes, dear. God bless you. God bless you, dear. Who else? There are others in here today. I know because God has had me praying for you. And you're on that road, and it's a difficult road, and it's a difficult decision. Yes, yes, God bless you. Precious. If you raise your hand, you can put it down. God bless you. Thank you so much. God loves saving families. God loves saving marriages. God loves saving our children. Man, he's here right now to touch you. He loves you. Yes, there's a battle raging. Why? Why do you feel this, this struggle right now inside? Because all hell wants to keep you from experiencing the joy of being free, being saved, and being redeemed. Anyone else? Quickly before I, yes, God bless you. Anyone else want to join these five? Yes, God bless you, dear six. Anybody want to join these? This is your day. This, this is not anybody else. This is for you today. God loves you. Yes, God bless you. Thank you. Seven of you this morning are ready to ask Jesus to forgive you. You're ready to receive him in your life. Anyone else? I don't want to leave anybody behind. I know, yes, God bless you, dear. Eight of you. God loves you. And all hell wants to keep you from this. But all heaven is cheering you on, waiting for you to respond. To that call. Eight souls. I want to ask all of you to stand to your feet right where you're standing. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I want to ask you to pray out loud this prayer with us because we're going to simply lead a prayer of salvation. We're going to invite Jesus in and as you do, this is what's going to happen. Supernatural. When you say, God, forgive me, supernaturally, he forgives you. I don't care what your sin is, what your past is, you are forgiven in that moment. When you say, Jesus, I'm lost and I need you, he comes to find you. He knows where you are. He's been waiting on you. He's been knocking at your heart's door. Pray with me. Everybody in this place, the whole congregation is going to pray. You pray this in faith. Those of you that are watching online, I, don't, I can't see you. I don't know you but you know, you, you raised your hand. You pray this prayer with us. And this week, you text us or email, call the office and let us know so we can help you. But pray this prayer with me right now. Father God, in the name of your son, Jesus, I invite you. I've considered the cost and what you called me to be. And I realize that salvation is a gift from you. And this morning, I'm receiving that gift. So Jesus, I invite you, come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. Forgive me of all of my sins. Cleanse me, redeem me, heal me, and help me. I choose this day to serve your purposes, your plans, to walk with you all the days of my life. I'm calling myself to trust, to believe that all of your promises for me are yes and amen. Help me. When the enemy comes against me, help me to remember what you've done for me. I'm choosing you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Come on, let's give the Lord an ovation of praise this morning because he's worthy. He's worthy. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for eight souls that have surrendered today. This is not the end. This is the beginning. We're here. There's information that's going to be on the wall up above my head, but we're here to help you, disciple you, nurture you, get you into growth track, help you to find out who you are in Christ Jesus. I encourage you, come to the house of God. Be faithful. That that God has begun in your life, let him finish in you today. And I pray the protection of the Father over your life right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Our prayer team is up here, and we're, we're, we still are a little bit early this morning, and we're going to take time. We've been praying all week. Holy Spirit wants to bring a breakthrough in some of your lives. Some of you that raised your hand responded. Feel free, if you like, to come down to one of these prayer teams and say, I just want to say to somebody right here, right now, publicly, I just ask Jesus to be Lord of my life. Man, you'll find something's freeing in that. Something will break in your life when you'll say, I just raised my hand and prayed the prayer, and I've invited Jesus in my heart. Also, there are all kind of needs in this house. The Holy Spirit has had us praying all week for us because some of you are hurt. Some of you have struggles in your mind, in your emotions, in your heart, in your marriage, in, in your physical body. And I'm here today to tell you, God wants to touch you and heal you. These people, they're prayed up. They've been praying all week. They've been praying for you. So if you have a need, as Jamie and the guys lead us in just a few minutes of worship, I want to ask you, don't leave, please. We're going to be done in just a couple of minutes. But I want to ask you just to either worship where you're standing or if you have a need, come down here. Let us touch you today right where you are right now in Jesus' name. Come on, you're free to come. Thank you for listening to this message from The Rock of Gainesville. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org.